Welcome to the seventh episode of Earwig Serials. I'm your host, Tyler McNamara, and for the next 33 episodes of Season 1, I'll be reading from my book, The Mother of Dark Space. Previously on The Mother of Dark Space, I never said that I turned Evermore down, just that I didn't give him an answer. She wouldn't get a badge without signing a contract. But who's to stop me from going to listen to Evermore? Evermore ran a hand through his short salt-and-pepper hair and said, Why are we here? The endeavor that we attempt requires only those two things, vibrancy and creativity. Evermore Industries is a sole proprietorship owned and funded by me and through the support of anonymous investors. What you don't know is that our goal is to create a vessel capable of transgalactic travel at faster-than-light speeds. In spite of the fact that I wholeheartedly agree with you, faster-than-light travel is merely speculation on a scale of supreme naivety. Perhaps there is something some yet-to-be-discovered mystery of the universe that will allow us to succeed, drawing a bigger circle around both the tools and the truths circles, and now both circles were large enough that they encompassed FTL. Ray noticed that Lab 7 was listed in both. And now for Chapter 6, Inertia, Ashley. From Ashley's vantage point on the far side of the pool, behind the door to the women's changing room, he could see everything. The plan for the assistants was to wait in the lobby, but he had been helping the doc research the lab head's ideals, styles, motives, and beliefs for the last two weeks. There was no way he would miss this. The first phase had gone as planned. The doc had instructed the team to gather in one location, and just as they got comfortable, he upset their homeostasis with a change of plans. When Ashley asked why, Evermore had said that, A mind off balance is more amenable to new ideas. After Evermore welcomed them into the new situation, he made the big reveal then carefully started teasing a thread from each of their personal dreams and goals, interlacing them into his own. Ashley's own criticism was that the presentation was based more in poetry than reality, but that didn't seem to bother anyone, judging from the volume of their applause. Evermore called over them. Your aides are waiting in the lobby with your first assignment. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to send them to me directly. He pushed the crayons back into his pockets and turned off the cloud jammer. As Evermore left, Ray was the first to push her finger repeatedly into the elevator button. Shit, he cursed under his breath. Ashley, you are so fucking dumb. He tried willing one of the other doctors to go over and join her, and to his surprise, she left the elevator for a moment, quickly made friends with a doctor named Hugo Voss, and the two went into the elevator together. He would have to risk being seen. When the light above the lift rested on the G, Ashley emerged from the women's changing room, faking that I-belong-here confidence He walked across the pool area and called the elevator. He imagined himself in a spy movie, making a ballsy move to escape the scene, but it worked too well. Even when two doctors who accompanied him to the ground floor looked at him, their gaze just slid off. They didn't even recognize him as a person. When they stepped out, he could see Ray waiting for him. She looked angry, but no less beautiful. I wish I'd thought to bring her assignment with me, he thought, lightly touching the seven. As the lift rose, he messaged her. A. Rafariel, I'm going to be late. When the doors opened, Ashley dashed across the empty lab to the only piece of furniture, a lonely workstation. As he snatched the assignment folder from its top drawer, he heard the elevator doors sliding closed. Turning, he sprinted back toward the doors, but it was clear he wouldn't get there in time. Thinking only of the blockage sensors, he threw the folder at what remained of the crack between the doors. The folder flew through the air like a giant throwing star, deftly slipping through the crack with millimeters to spare, but it failed to trip sensors, and the doors finished closing. Ashley hung his head in defeat as the elevator descended with Lab 7's secret assignment. His omni chirped with a text. R. Dahlia, you're already late. Where are you? 
A. Rafariel. I'm sorry, Ray. I'll be there soon. R. Dahlia. Let's get out of that habit right now. My name is Dr. Dahlia. A. Rafariel. Sorry, Dr. Dahlia. My timing was off. I'll be there soon. A picture is worth a thousand words, but her silence was worth a thousand pictures, and he had time to imagine each one as the elevator made a second trip to the pool before climbing all the way back to the seventh floor. Ashley held his breath as the doors opened, then released it in a sigh of relief as he saw the manila folder labeled Classified, Eyes Only, DSC, Rachel Dahlia, on the floor at the back of the elevator. Inside, he avoided looking at himself in the reflective doors. Ashamed, even of his low self-esteem, he forced himself to turn and face the reflection and stare at his two-round head that made him look simple, and into his eyes so close together it made him appear cross-eyed, even though he wasn't. Brushing aside his light brown hair, he stood up straight and faced himself. Bring it on, he said. His green eyes burned for just a moment, but as the doors parted, he slouched with embarrassment at almost being caught talking to himself, then caught himself slouching and stood up straight again. Aside from the receptionist, Dr. Dahlia waited alone in the wide-open lobby. As he walked toward her, she looked as if she had something to say, but instead she glared at him in silence. When he was a boy, Ashley had had a book of ancient Greek myths. The artist had drawn the Gorgon Medusa with wide, exaggerated eyes. Beneath the illustration was a caption explaining that Medusa's gaze could turn men to stone. Ray had those same eyes. They unnerved him, and though he didn't want to stare, he found he couldn't look away. I'm sorry for the wait, doctor, he said, trying to release the tension. So you've met the man, you've heard his vision, do you regret choosing Evermore Industries? The question shifted something in her hard stare, and he thought he saw a hint of fear beneath the anger. She's afraid? The realization surprised and actually comforted him. Your skin isn't so thick after all. Maybe eventually I'll get to see the woman I met during our interview. Ray almost said something, glanced at the receptionist who was absent in the glow of his omni, and continued. Do you have any idea how humiliating it was to have each of the other lab heads see me waiting here? I almost walked out. Can you imagine how your conversation with the doc would have gone? If she keeps frowning like that, she's going to run out of face. Ashley tried not to smile at his own thought. You wouldn't leave before seeing whatever is in this secret document, would you? He waggled it at her. She held her hand out for it. Not yet. I didn't get to give you the tour of the other facilities. And after that lecture, you must be hungry, he said. This time, she followed him obediently into the elevator. Once inside, Ashley said, Though it may not appear impressive by our earthly standards, the EI building stands twelve stories above street level, two taller than Kander and Jensen Laboratories, and six higher than your alma mater, the University of Mars. You've already seen the rec facility and the pool. Ashley reached out for the B2 button, which had the fork and knife beside it. But Ray intercepted his hand, grabbed his finger, and mashed it into the seven. The elevator immediately rose. I'm not hungry, she said, holding her hand out for the folder again. He gave it to her as the doors opened on Laboratory 7. If you're enjoying this podcast, please consider following me on Twitter at Tyler R. McNamara, M-C-N-A-M-A-R-A, and using the hashtag M-O-D-S-Book. You can learn more about the book project at earwigpublishing.com or on Facebook at Earwig Publishing. Earwig Serials is supported by you listeners. If you're enjoying this podcast, consider becoming a monthly supporter and gain access to bonus content at patreon.com slash motherofdarkspace. Or, if you'd like to make a single offering, visit paypal.me slash earwigpublishing. Finally, I'd like to thank the artist's silent partner for the use of their song, Frequency. 
Now, the second half of episode 7. Ray. In spite of the huge rec facility and pool, Ray's experience set her up to expect a traditional Martian laboratory, a low-ceilinged, labyrinthine series of hallways and thin room dividers. Resources in the Terradome were rare and therefore more valuable than back on Earth, but space would only get more limited year after year. At least Mars had the option of expanding into another Terradome. Back on Earth, the only options were building higher and digging deeper. The doors parted, and before them was a room the size of the building's footprint. It was big enough to house 200 workstations, and nothing interrupted the windows to the east, south, and west, and not even K&J Labs was tall enough to obstruct the view of the Terradome's simulated landscape. There aren't any room dividers. How much of this... And then she realized, my lab isn't on the seventh floor. It is the seventh floor. Ray stepped into the room and felt that same rush of freedom she got looking up at the stars at Casma Australe. Is it real? She walked across the room to the far wall, searching the floor for the telltale edge of a VR screen. Ashley didn't answer. Instead, he waited for her to reach the western wall unhindered. All this for me, she thought. But even as her imagination started filling the space with equipment and projects, another part overtook it and wondered what Evermore wanted in exchange. All the freedom she had felt melted into paranoia as she wondered where the confines of this new arrangement ended. Just because I can't see the walls doesn't mean they aren't there. This might just be another cage. The hollow inside her expanded to fill the room, and she felt impossibly small in its immensity. This doesn't feel right. I'm not supposed to be here. What will Elvermore do to me when he figures out I'm not as special as he thinks I am? Ashley said, I imagine you'll want to work through lunch. I'd be happy to pop down to the cafeteria to grab you something while you take a look at your assignment. As she turned back to him, he asked, Where's your ID badge? A look of realization crossed his face, and he said, During our date at the Relativity Lounge, when we started joking about some of Evermore's eccentricities, I thought you took it a little too far. Actually, you were pretty disrespectful. I wanted to say something then, but our conversation... He paused, and she cut him off. It wasn't a date. He was not sidetracked. It made me think that you might be undecided about working here. Is that still the case? That's not a question. It's an accusation, Ray thought. Where do you think Evermore will place you if my answer is no? Ashley was taken aback. I've caught you in a lie, Mr. Rafariel. You said I took so long in HR, but I was only there a few minutes. Where were you? She crossed her arms and waited for him to answer. Ashley spread his hands in a gesture of defeat. What are you doing, Ray? I thought you wanted this job. Look at this fucking room. How are you not interested? Ray smiled, took a flippant tone, and said, Relax, Ashley. I just wanted to be sure EI was a good fit. This is the last test. She held up the folder. He seemed to take her advice, relaxed, and coolly took out his Omni. I may have lied, but you're trespassing on EI property and about to commit corporate subterfuge. Ray looked down at the folder and wondered if he'd really make the call when she noticed the instructions on the back. It had a three-tiered decryption key. The first unlocked based on its proximity to her Omni, but the second two required an Evermore Industries ID badge and a DNA sample, which she had yet to give them. I couldn't unlock this if I wanted to. She crossed the room to the single workstation and tossed the folder on it. If you're so dedicated to doing everything by the book, then why don't you escort me down to HR so I can be fully assimilated? The ride back down the elevator was silent, and Ashley seemed embarrassed for escalating the situation so quickly. Perfect, she thought. When the doors opened, Ashley quietly said, I'm starving. While you're here, I'm going down to the calf. Can I get you anything? Nothing fried, and I'm not in the mood for Hexapro. He frowned. 
EI doesn't serve any real meat, but I wouldn't worry about the hex. They get it from a vendor who guarantees that it's mostly grasshopper and cricket. Personally, I don't care if it's all mealworm. I'm just not in the mood. He nodded. I'll be back shortly. Bring me a coffee. The HR department was surprised to see her, but her representative had gotten the process down to a science, and she was done within a few minutes and returned to Lab 7 as soon as she was able. When the elevator doors closed, Ray was alone but for a workstation, an ergonomic chair, and a short wire mesh trash bin. The feeling that she didn't belong there still worried her, but she summoned a hardness, pushed everything from her mind, and focused on putting one foot in front of the other. Crossing the lab, she placed her Omni on the workstation service. The Hakaro she had been working on appeared, and the ergonomic chair automatically adjusted to her. As the workstation completed the infosync, a pop-up appeared. Error, the e-paper file you are attempting to drag and drop is protected. She raised the folder to her lips and lapped the corner of the file like a cat sampling bad milk. As she licked the roof of her mouth, trying to wipe the taste of the DNA sampler off her tongue, the manila cover changed and a short letter appeared. From the desk of Everett Evermore DSC, CEO Evermore Industries, Floor 12, Extension, Number 112. Date, October 12th, 2049. To Rachel Dahlia, DSC, Lab 7 Principal Researcher, Extension 107. Subject, Lab 7 Research Assignment Number 1. I would, in the same instant, like to extend both gratitude and salutations at your agreement to join the team at Evermore Industries. Being a synthetic bioengineer, I suppose you may be wondering what you're doing here, purportedly working on faster-than-light travel. No doubt you are aware of the field's important advancement, Krellinger's Light. Victoria Krellinger's work has given rise to many applications for both the scientific and civilian worlds, all of which rely on that same basic principle of organic cells communicating along beams of light. Along those lines, your first assignment at Evermore Industries is to take her work a step further by discovering, manufacturing, and producing a transbiological exchange of information beyond the electromagnetic spectrum. Ray felt the floor drop out from beneath her. She had assumed so much of Evermore's speech was poetic hyperbole, but everything he had said about expecting the impossible from them became suddenly concrete. He told us to usurp him, but I never expected my first assignment would be to knock my hero off her pedestal. No, it's worse than being knocked off. If Krellinger's groundbreaking discovery was lapped so soon after it was made, I wouldn't be showing her up. I'd be erasing her name from history. I expect a progress report every two weeks. Please save your reports to the EI CloudNet folder on your desk. And if you don't hear from me, assume that you're doing a great job. In addition, during our first week, I will be conducting face-to-face -face interviews with each of the principal researchers. Yours is scheduled for next Monday. You may arrive at the 12th floor no later than 10 a.m. I have long looked forward to us meeting as peers. I hope you find our facilities both comfortable and sufficient. If you should need anything, be it personal or professional, do not hesitate to have Ashley order it for you. While we're on the subject of Ashley, I request that you take good care of him. He is very dear to me. When we first met, I immediately recognized his intellect and took him under my wing. But I could not shelter him from his less than nourishing upbringing. Later in life, I tried to use my clout to get him into the University of Mars, but they did not accept him. This remains a point of shame for him, and I urge you to avoid the topic. All this is to say that I have spent a great deal of time teaching him and request that, on top of your other responsibilities, you continue mentoring him where I left off. Doting aside, Ashley is a font of talent and understands the language of technology far better than I ever will. It would be a waste to use him as a mere secretary. Thank you in advance. Dr. Everett Evermore
Postscript. I apologize that this may come too late and if it's unwarranted, but do not directly lick the DNA sampler. It could have been tampered with or poisoned. This has been Chapter 6 of The Mother of Dark Space by Tyler McNamara, brought to you by Lumodyne Electronic Paper. The only e-paper that feels like paper is supposed to, and the only e-paper with the highest security protocols on the market. Lumodyne is the e-paper most trusted by Murdoch Nast for all their wireless magazine syndications. Lumodyne. So many possibilities. With Valentine's coming up next month, may I suggest using Lumodyne's e-paper Valentine's cards? There's a bunch of fonts and pictures and styles for the front and for the, the card in general, and like emoticons and romantic quotes available. You just kind of scroll through and customize your card exactly the way you want. And if you're a really bad speller like I am, uh, you'll want to go with a Lumodyne card just for the spell check function alone. It's super helpful. It's like, oh, I really love how you emphasize this word with a squiggly red line. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, that's, that's just misspelled. Anyway, um, check them out, and thanks for checking out this podcast, and remember to let people know that you like it. Thanks. Talk to you next time. Bye.